I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 6. Brother Mike just referred to these, these texts, Acts 6 and 1 Timothy chapter 3, and we want to cover some of that this morning. In the old days, ordinations would take about all afternoon on a Saturday. Uh, there would be three messages. I'm going to try to combine all three, both the charge to the candidates, the charge to the church, and the ordination sermon. As I mentioned earlier, being a deacon does not mean to be flamboyant. It does not mean to be the uh, celebrity of the body of Christ, but one who gets there early, one who stays there late, one who takes the trash out and vacuums the floor, the one who goes to visit at all hours of the day when families need them. A deacon is a humble servant, as we have heard from these two men. And I can personally testify from their lives, for they have been two of the closest friends I have had since my family and I moved here six, almost six and a half years ago. I do not hold any men any higher in my heart than these two men. And I mean that. They are truly servants of God. But you know, life has a way of polluting us. So I want to charge you, Trey, and you, John, this morning, according to the Word of God. I want to remind me and all of you guys, man, what an honor to have a father-in-law and a father. Eston, we're glad you're here with us this morning to be here for this Wonderful and holy time. I want to challenge you this morning to understand that you have been selected to serve. Ray and I talked about this early in my office this morning. When we turned 18, I'll never forget, my dad served in the military. And so prior to my 18th birthday, dad said, now you know the first thing you need to do when you... When your birthday comes, you need to go down there to the post office. You need to fill out your selective service card. If you don't, they can come lock you up. He had me scared to death. I thought, I'm going to prison. I'm going to end up in Leavenworth. Something's going to happen. And so I went down. And I said, I need to sign up for selective service. Now, you know, I... When I turned 18 in 1980, and there has not been a draft since that time, but some of you here today know because you got a card with a return address that had Uncle Sam's name on it, and they called your number, and you were selected to serve. There was no other person that could take your place. Your country called upon you. I'm here to tell you guys, though your names came up in the deacon body, and though this church has voted for you to be ordained deacons, it's God's calling on your life. God has selected you. It is no mistake that you met Jenny. It is no mistake that you met Dina. And I'm going to tell you, 
Parents, if you've got a son, you better make sure he goes to Eastside because the women are godly <laughs> and know Jesus at Eastside Baptist Church. It was no mistake that you met them. For God had called you and selected your spouse. And though it's not always wise, and I agree with Brother Don, God had plans for your life. God saved you. We heard your testimony. God has been calling you and God has equipped you. Not with just your natural abilities, but with his supernatural gifts. You're able to do what you thought you couldn't do. And so this morning we see just a few quick things about being selected to serve. He said in Acts 6 verse 1, And in those days, now remember the church is just starting. It's just house churches. I mean Pentecost is not far removed from this date. Things were not established where they had deacon bodies and they had boards of trustees and they had all these committee on committees. They didn't have all of that. And so it was the very beginning. In those days when the number of the disciples, followers of Christ, was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look you out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. First of all, guys, I want you to understand being selected to serve means it is a personal service. It is a service that is unique to you. And even though y'all look pretty spiffy today, y'all look like frat brothers. I'm going to be honest with you. Well, you khaki pants. And, I mean, I don't know if y'all got together or your wives planned it out. Y'all looking pretty sharp today. These guys look pretty good too, don't they? Yeah. I didn't hear any amens on that. I, 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 don't, I don't understand. And even though y'all answered together, it's a personal call. It's a personal service. First of all, it's personal in nature in the fact that it does not matter what deacon body you're associated with, what church you're a member of, if you do not have personal integrity. It has been said that a man's character is who he is when no one's looking who you are at home. Your family knows you the best. They know if there's a church speak and a home speak. If there's a lifestyle in front of some folks and a different lifestyle at others. Your calling to serve starts at home and it starts in you. It must be that you are men of integrity, but also men that are spirit-filled he tells them that. He said in verse 3, choose you out men who are full of the Holy Ghost. Now I've seen a lot of men that's full of it. But that's not what he's talking about. God said you must be men full of the Holy Spirit. That does not mean just when Lauren sings the best song you've ever heard. It means when it's been the roughest day you've had at work. That's when the fullness of the Holy Spirit. When your wife 
can't tote her load at that moment. And you have to tote yours and hers. It's when your children are struggling and you get on your face before God and you pray over them rather than consulting friends or Facebook, but you consult the one who can do something about it. Men of integrity. Men who are spirit-filled in front of all that they come in contact with. It said in verse 3 that Stephen was a man full of faith. He tells us in that, in that scripture, let us just read real quickly because it is so vital. 1 Timothy 3, verse 8. Likewise must the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved, then let them use the office of a deacon, hear this, being found blameless. Now I know from the moment you guys got up this morning, really probably backing up a long way, but especially when you pulled up on this property today, the weight of responsibility. I saw it in these guys' face, being reminded of that day that they were ordained. I remember uh, I had a few this morning. They, they thought that some tragedy had happened or God was on his way back because I was here about 8 o'clock this morning and sitting in my office and going over all this stuff. And, and then all these deacons are getting here early and they're like, wow, what's going on? Because there's such a weight of responsibility to this. It's, it's not just about wanting something. It's about God wanting you. It says that you must be found blameless. And can I say, church, hear me today. Church, you need to hear this. For the last two years, these men have been evaluated. We had one time where they were questioned, right? We went through a statement of faith. We asked them all kinds of questions about their doctrinal stance on salvation. Do they believe in the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, the virgin birth, the imminent return in rapture of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Did Jesus really die on the cross for their sins? Is he really alive, resurrected from the dead? We went through very in-depth questioning of these men. But guys, you don't know. You were being evaluated every meeting you came. You're being evaluated every day that these other men saw you. And we talked about these things over and over and over again. Church, may I tell you, I want you to hear my words today. Not that these men are perfect. But can I tell you over these two years, these men, in a personal call, these two men before this body, of ordained men have been found blameless. And I thank God for that. Not only is it a personal service, it's an intentional service. Notice it was right where they were. They were not being commissioned to go somewhere else. Later on in the book of Acts, we see that Paul and Barnabas, they had the laying on of hands and the church at Antioch sent them out to be missionaries, but these men were to serve right where they were. It is an intentional service. Those who are around us, you know, church, oftentimes I encourage you 
to uh, sit with someone different when we have fellowship. To get to know, it, it, it startles me. And I think going in and out the same door on Sunday has helped a little bit. But so often we can be a member at Eastside and don't even know the people who sit across the sanctuary from us. It means to be intentional and know every single person and know them by name. You say, I'm not good with names. Learn to be. Because as a deacon, we need to know and they need to hear us call them by name. You must love intentionally. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes that's hard. I've been ordained for almost three decades. Many of these men have been ordained for a long time. We've all heard the pastor jokes. We've all heard the deacon jokes, right? We've all heard them. And there's a time to be funny, ha ha. Let me tell you something. Hear me. I've been serving as a senior pastor for almost three decades. I have served in four churches, three as senior pastor. And with, I say this unequivocally, unabridged, and without equivocation. Hear me today. I've never served with finer men than these sitting on this stage. And these two men who are about to sit with them. They are intentional. They are encouraging. They are men who are serving right where they are to the people who are around them. Listen, Colossians 3.23 says it this way. And I wrote this in y'all's Bibles. He said, whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, you're going to serve Esau. Yes, you're going to serve your family. Yes, you're going to serve alongside these men and this pastor. But ultimately, hear me, church, everything you do, whether it's singing, playing, taking up an offering, vacuuming, setting up, taking down tables, teaching Sunday school, putting up security cameras, taking care of security, tithing, and giving sacrificially. You do it as unto the Lord. This is God's business. It's not, our, it's not Matt's business. It's not their business. This is God's business. And when we understand the intentionality of that, it's overwhelming. You know, it's got to be so intentional. I love the story of David and Goliath. But it started way before David walked down in that valley. It started when his dad sent him to feed his older brothers, the warriors, the big brothers that were out there on the battlefield. David had no idea what was going on. But when he got there, he saw this great giant, this Philistine giant mocking his God. And he kept asking, are you not going to do something about it? King, brothers, my, my, my family, are you not going, are you just going to stand here and let this heathen man mock our holy God? And these are the exact words of David. Is there not a cause? That's got to be our heart. Is there not a cause in Claxton? Do people need Jesus where you live, John? Trey, the people you work with, people around you, your neighborhood, this place, do they not need Jesus? 
I believe you know that because both of you have served in the youth ministry ever since I've been here. And what a great ministry it has been in seeing these young people come to know the Lord. Listen, we've got to understand it's for the Lord. This cause, and there is a cause, is to lift up the cross of Jesus Christ so that when all the world sees him, he said, if I be lifted up, not us, but if Jesus be lifted, lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. You want to have a great Easter? I'm, I'm asking you, church, you want to see the greatest Easter Eastside has ever seen? Then lift up Jesus between now and then. Lift him up and great things will happen. Is there not a cause? It must be personal. Your service must be intentional, but it must be relational. You know, sometimes we get caught up in the do's and the don'ts. And we have questioned you about all of these qualifications that is found throughout Scripture, but especially in 1 Timothy. But we need to understand that service as a deacon, as a Christian, must be relational. What does that mean? He said in verse 1 of Acts 6, In those days when the number of the disciples were uh, multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Why? They're fussing and fighting, and they had not even built the first church building yet because their widows were neglected. You see, you're being called to serve the needy and the neglected. Those who cannot fend for themselves. Many times in church, this is the thing you ought to be thankful for. You know, as a child, you could relate rely on mom or dad to take care of the heavy lifting. You didn't have to worry about paying bills and you didn't have to worry about all the things that was going on. And and good parents keep that stuff hid from their children and let them be children, right? Right, amen. If you didn't understand that, that's right. Your children shouldn't hear adult stuff for a long time. Let them be kids. Let them be kids. Well, I, I want you to understand in church life, These men, once a month, come together. And thank God, there's not been a a, a great deal. But there are times where there are needy and neglected individuals and situations you need to be thankful. You ain't got to get up in the middle of the night to fix. But these men handle it. And they handle it very quietly and discreetly and godly. And that's what it means to be a server of tables. To be very relational. Listen, you've got to serve the needy and the neglected, but also listen to me. You've got to serve the knuckleheads and the know-it-alls. Because the churches are full of it. They're knuckleheads. They're people that just, listen, they would mess up an anvil. They're people who know it all. They They can tell you exactly the way everything ought to be. But you know what? We smile and in the grace of the Lord, we love them too. Because sometimes we realize that's us. We are the knuckleheads. Sometimes we are the know-it-alls. We understand the ground is level at the foot of the cross. I say that tongue-in-cheek, but church, listen, we never want to be that knucklehead. We never want to be that know-it-all. We want to be that brother and sister that is encouraging. We must be relational in our service. But then we must be directional. 
There's a direction for your life, John. Trey, there's a direction for your life. And you're leaders of your home. He tells us that. And so it begins, he said, in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, again, verse 11. He says, even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children and their own houses well. You see, in the direction of your call to serve, it starts by serving in the home. We serve in the home. We serve both as the leader, but as the servant, where we serve one another. You know, a marriage is not 50-50. It's not. If anybody ever told you a marriage is 50-50, they were lying to you. Because there are times when a marriage is 100-100 and the other person can't carry their load. There are days when they just emotionally, physically, spiritually, they're not there. What do we do? The world says throw in the towel. The world says throw your hands up. You don't have to live like this. You don't have to put up with this. But God's word says that two shall become one. And let no man separate that. The holy, the holy estate of matrimony, that which you both have entered into with your wives, you understand your service starts at home. Starts at home. We can get so busy ministering that we forget the misses. We overlook our children. Listen, we've got to realize Our service is directional and we direct it in our home. We direct it in the church. There are things in this church that are not limited to student ministry. Even though I'm not saying that's that's not where God wants you. But we must go through life with our eyes wide open. And understand, our, our direction may be specifically in student ministry, but there's so much more that we can serve God in. If you're like, oh, I just can't carry anymore. Listen, you must be carrying your cross alone. For the Bible tells us that if we will take up our cross, if we will serve him, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Doesn't mean that you're going to go through life clicking your heels and saying, man, this is awesome. It's going to be dark days. It's going to be heavy days. There's where these brothers will step in beside you. It's the days that your wives and your children will lift you up. That your pastor will pray with you and encourage you. It is directional in the home and in the church. And then it's instructional. In Acts chapter 6 verse 7. And the word of God increased. Why? Is it just because these men, now remember why the deacons were ordained to start with. Because the preacher said, We don't have time for all of this. If we're going to study the Word of God, if you want to hear from God on Sunday, then we've got to be with God Monday through Saturday. We don't have time for everything, and so He chose chose out these men. You remember, this is not just a New Testament thing. You remember what Moses' father-in-law told him? He said, Moses, you can't do this alone. You cannot judge this entire congregation of Israelites by yourself. You need help. Thus began the judges. This church can't do it. Listen, church, 
If you say, well, that's the deacon's job. Well, it may be. But along the way, we can pick up and help, can't we? We can lift them up. Children, pray for your dad. Pray for your dad. Now, I'm a, you, you, don't, you don't have to know when, when we met at the house. One of the things that Becky and I talked to them about was there's going to be days where they're going to walk in from a deacon's meeting and it may go a little longer than usual. Chances are we're standing out in the parking lot with Steve Smith talking about fishing. But don't start giving them the nth degree. What went on? What were they talking about? No, you just, you say, you good? Everything good? And if they know when they left, you were already praying for them, everything will be all right. Sometimes we carry great burdens that we can't share with anyone else. But we can pray for each other. You see, it's instructional by example. You set the example. You set the example. And can I say... Y'all have done a pretty good job of that. You've done a great job of that. By setting the example before these young men and women in this church. This morning I went to a Sunday school class that these two men's wives teach together. As they're teaching these young ladies how to be women of God. You see it's directional not just in the home but in the church. People are watching and seeing everything you do. But see, it's not just being that direction. But as I said, Stephen was instructional. The whole chapter 7 is him preaching the gospel. Did he just find that out after they ordained him right here? No, he knew God's word. He knew what God's word said and he preached it. Stephen was a man of service and he was instructional and you've got to live your life as an example. You've got to live a life that is exhorting one another to serve the Lord. Sometimes you do have to use words. We say, oh, it's just lifestyle. Yeah, it is lifestyle. But sometimes you've got to look at them and say, look, man, going down the wrong path. And you do that with love and encouragement. And lift them up. Someone's told you that before. Someone's told you that before. They've encouraged you before, exhorting you to turn from the world and turn toward the Lord. Exhort your brethren. Edify. Edify. Lifting up. Just building up. We ought to be building up our wives, building up our children, building up our parents, building up our brothers and sisters, building up our fellow deacons, building up our church. And church, a body of Christ who does nothing but edify and builds one another up will not be torn down by this world. It just won't. They just won't. And then this service must be encouraging. You see, he said in verse 5 of Acts 6, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. You see, they were very thankful. 
And it said it pleased the whole multitude. They, they were thankful. He says in 1 Timothy 3, verse 13, For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You ought to be thankful. And others be thankful for you. You must be prayerful. Church, we ought to be thankful for these men. Amen? We ought to be thankful for these men. And may I add, tonight, even though we recognize the ordination of these two today, tonight is really not just about them. Some of these men have been ordained for a long time. And we just take for granted the work and the ministry that they do. And so tonight is to honor all of these men as well. Some of them is going to share some words of testimony just like you've heard. Some of you need to hear your family deacon. And so it's going to be a time of fellowship and a time of respect and being thankful for these guys. Church, I charge you, be thankful and encouraging for these men. Be prayerful. Because what happens when people get right with God, get on fire for God? Satan's going to come knocking. He'll do everything in his power to tear these men down. Will you pray for these men? Church, will you pray for these men? Then I want to conclude with this word. He said in Titus, the last of the pastoral epistles, Titus 3, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. To speak evil of no man, don't be brawlers, but be gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, we were those knuckleheads. Disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. This is where it gets good. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. May God bless the reading of his word this morning.